This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 137 with Shannon Kaiser. If you want to skip this intro altogether, I dare you not to, but if you do, you want to skip ahead to somewhere around the 10 minute mark. There is so much I want to say to you. I feel like I'm bubbling over with joy. Joy is also a huge topic of this episode because it is Shannon's latest book, Joy Seeker. So I remember when I had this revelation, I was just a straight over going to a coffee shop and it hit me the difference between happiness and joy. Now I haven't challenged this difference since that revelation. I felt like I was onto something. So here it is. It hit me that happiness seems to be something that we search for from others or validation, milestones. We think we will be happy when. We think we will be happy if then. And so happiness seems to come from the outside. Then it hit me that joy comes from within. It's something that we bring with us. We bring to other people. We bring into the experience. It's our spirit. It's our energy. We come across as joyful. We bring the vibe up. So I haven't challenged that difference. Still, it's like when I feel joyful, like I do now, it just, it's like love is overflowing. Nothing can be taken from me. It can only be given away. Whereas happiness it's almost something like you want to guard. It's almost like you don't trust in it. You think it'll be taken from you. So just a thought. And there's, again, so many things I want to say. There's snow that's falling, just trickling down from the sky. The first snow in New York City. I don't know how much of it will stick. In fact, I don't think it will. Still, I ran out and bought myself some winter candles and some lights to go around my apartment. I'm really giving in to the vibe this year. And I'm bringing this up because I remember back in the day, and by back in the day, I don't mean one day. I mean like a stretch of time. And by a stretch of time, I mean years of my life when I would buy candles and then I would wait. I would wait to light them. I wouldn't light them until a boyfriend flew in from out of town since I always had long distance boyfriends. So my life was on hold and I would enjoy the candles with them. I would light them when? In a way, I mean, in in a sense, I was thinking, oh, I will be happy when they come and I get to light this candle and my apartment gets to feel more atmospheric, but I would wait for it. I would wait for someone. And even that became this revelation I will never forget where I was like looking around my room and I was like, I should just light the damn candles. What am I waiting for? Why am I waiting for anyone else to indulge in this moment? And as a single person now, that has been 100% the thing that has continued to light me up. That's why I can be single is because I no longer wait. I don't wait to try a restaurant until I have a boyfriend. 
I don't wait to feel alive until someone comes in town. I have found my own ways. And really this ties into Shannon's book, Joy Seeker, because I think until you can find out what brings you to life, you almost always are dependent upon circumstances in your life. And that dependency actually creates an anxiety within us, a weakness within us, because we know, we know that we've been waiting for this thing, for this person, and that perhaps without them, that's why we latch, it will go away, that we will resume back to who we were originally before this thing happened, before this person came into our life. And so I'm encouraging you to become the person you need to be for your life to feel like it's on, like there's a spark within you, that there's joy. So when you meet someone, they're meeting that person and you have confidence within yourself that with or without them, you know, you trust that you know how to still come alive. Should we just keep this short? One thing, and it comes up within the podcast, but I'm just going to tell you that in 2017, I was in Miami visiting my family and I read Shannon's book that had just come out at the time in 2017, two years ago, The Self-Love Experiment. And I remember putting the book down and just envisioning so many things for myself on a stage, talking. I thought, God, what if I ever had a podcast? I want a podcast. I want a podcast. I want to be someone that can speak with people, that can have conversations. Who would I need to be for that to happen? And I thought, oh my God, what if one day I could have Shannon on? Who would I need to be in order to have Shannon on? What would my podcast need to become? What would my life look like? And then just a few days ago, I got to meet in person with Shannon And I was emotional with it. I realized it just like overcame me. Like today was the day. And sometimes we think so much about what are the conditions going to look like for us to have this thing? We will need to become someone radically different. Our life will have to look radically different in order for us to hit that milestone, to make that contact with someone that we've looked up to, a mentor, someone that's really doing it in the ways that we want to do it. I have to say Sometimes I feel like my life doesn't look radically different. It feels radically different. And that feeling is invisible usually for other people. It's just me, I feel it, though I show up differently in my life because of it. And so I will say that, God, what have I had to become in order to meet with Shannon? What has my podcast had to be? Well, it's taken consistency. It's taken starting before I was ready. It's taken putting myself out there. It's taken humbling myself. When I found out that I could meet with Shannon, I decided, you know what? I'm going to tell her publicist that this is a dream I had for myself in 2017. Now, a lot of people wouldn't admit to these things. I know this because a lot of people tell me, Chelsea, why do you tell people that they're special? You should hold that in. No one needs to know. But why not? I think it's important to tell people the meaning behind something, that something is meaningful for you. I think that it made our time together not even more special, but it made it more honest. Like this was a big moment. This was special. Shannon is special to me. And my meeting with her and her being on the podcast episode 137 is a day that I fantasized about. And again, I just want to emphasize so much of my life, and Shannon's book talks about this, I thought that like, if I lost all this weight, if I looked like a model again, then I would be fearless, that I would be able to resume my life without self-consciousness. And then I became severely underweight, or I looked like a model, and none of that happened. There was other instances in my life when I was going to get a degree, and I thought that when I got that degree, that would mean that I would be living my life in a certain way. I just thought that if I got to that date, if I got to that degree, that would give me 
this self-assurance. It would make me become that person. I would just have to, like automatically. And I avoided the growth. I don't even want to call it work. It, it takes work. It takes steps, consistency. It takes practice to become a new way. But I wasn't committed because I was scared of the growth. Now I live for it. Shannon talks about joy isn't the growth. Growth is where you end up feeling the joy. And so I don't look different in order to have this moment happen for me. I'm not in apartment that has, you know, views of the city. You know, it's not glamorous. In so many senses, I think that we think that our life is going to look more glamorous, more appealing in some conventional sense or something. It's so appearance-driven. And I just have to tell you, I want to remind you that at least for me, that it's so internal. It's not external. Yes, people will notice it. They will notice how you show up differently in the world. That is external. They will see you differently. But how you see yourself, you may think of yourself differently. Huge. But it's not about how things begin looking. It's about how you begin feeling. You feel better. You feel braver because you're making bold actions, because you're putting yourself out there, because you're betting on yourself that you keep on showing up and you're making it happen. That to me is bigger than anything I could have imagined in 2017 when I was picturing what my life would look like if I could get to this point. It's not a picture. It's a feeling. And it feels joyful. Thank you for being with me. Thank you always for taking a chance on this podcast and the guests that I bring on for spending your time. I know it's the most valuable resource on us. Thank you. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. Hi, I'm Shannon Kaiser. I'm so Happy to be here and uh, talk about Joy Seeker. I'm the author of a brand new book, Joy Seeker, my fifth book on the psychology of happiness and fulfillment. I also am an empowerment coach. Mm -hmm. I work with people to help them step into their potential. And I'm a keynote speaker and I'm doing what I love, doing with joy. I feel like I have to tell you, I told Anne this. When she reached out to me, it was such a full circle moment because I remember reading your other book, the last book before this, in 2017. And I was in Miami and I was in my parents' office and I put the book down and I was just like, what if one day I had a podcast and what if I could have her on? <laughs> That's so no, cool. I mean, it was so crazy. And I remember I found out this came out and I was like, oh, I wish I was at this place where I could ask her. I don't know if I could. And then yeah. like within that week... And reached out to me. That is amazing. And yeah. that's how it works. Like the synchronicities. And you put that in your heart. And you said this is a dream. And you manifested. Here we are together. So it's yeah. extra special. That's how it works, right? Like you have this insight in your mind. And it's almost like I say it's our future self. Kind of wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be mm -hmm. nice? And a lot of times with where we are, we think... <laughs> Who am I to go right. for that dream? Or that would never happen, right? And the doubter comes in. But that's really one of the reasons I, I really started to dive deeper into my own life to get rid of those doubts, the insecurities, the things that hold us back from being who we're meant to be, which is that. I also felt like what was interesting in the book is that I feel like it talked about doubting your ability 
And then once you get past and you start seeing your ability, then you start doubting the talent. It's almost like, you know, of course I see this ability and then this happened. And I'm like, you start doubting, like, what do they know about the podcast or what will happen once I'm there? Like, it's almost like you trip yourself up at every different stage. It's so true. It yeah. is. I'm so glad you got to that part because there's layers. It's almost like you're going up the hill and then you go down mm-hmm. then you go up to another peak. And what happens usually is our ego, our fear mind gets so incredibly loud mm-hmm. right before we're stepping into something that we are so truly meant for right and it's getting loud for two reasons one it is trying to protect you it's the good fear it's okay it wants you to know that this is unknown and we're yeah. terrified of unknown but the most important thing is when you truly step forward you don't need your fear anymore because you're living in your truth and you're aligned and you're doing what you're meant to do like us here talking yeah this feels so good and it's right. natural and your fear is like well I don't really have a place here right. <laughs> so well i mean how would you describe what fear actually is so many of us run from fear and think that it's bad but i believe fear is a mechanism within us that's just it's a primal thing think of the cavemen they they learned how to be fearful of things that might be coming to kill them the thing is now mm. in the modern world we think that things like being made fun of in public or not being accepted or failing is as detrimental. Because I think it's more like attached to identity rather than like your body's going to be killed off. It's your identity. Like if I say something or if I don't give a good talk, then my reputation is shot and that career is over. Exactly. And what we often think is then the biggest thing that I learned in my own life and I see with my coaching clients is that we attach it to us. Like if my talk doesn't go good, then that means... I suck. Something's wrong with me. I'm off track. I'm unworthy. But the two things are totally separate. And I feel like that's really, honestly, with the book Joy Seeker, it teaches us how to separate ourselves from the experiences and not be reliant on them to make us happy or worthy. Describe that more. Mm-hmm. Not reliant on the experiences. Yeah. So, like, let's say, you know, this goes incredible. I leave and I feel like I'm floating oh, you know, down the street. That's beautiful. Yeah. But how would I still see that even in a good moment, that that experience, I shouldn't be attached to it? Well, that's exactly it. I think we want these beautiful experiences, but let's say you have a talk that doesn't go well. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. And that's kind of what happens. We say, gosh, what's going to happen? And our mind starts going crazy. What if your podcast, everyone stops listening? What if you lose your career? And so it's that spiral down. So what we want to do is stop chasing the peak experiences and Mm. having them define us. Because Mm. as, as I talk about the barriers that block us from joy, it's the way we're defining success. We're chasing happiness in a goal weight and paying Mm. off our debt and our soulmate. It's that idea. Those things are wonderful but that's not really where our joy is our joy is within us right that's really my whole life i feel like there were so many different times when i was a young kid i was a model and when i gained weight and started becoming self-conscious or hearing other people's comments for about seven years i thought that if i just got back to what i looked like when I was a model, then the thoughts would go away. And so then I became anorexic. I was I became 80 pounds and it lasted for a flash that I had no thoughts. So I saw that that didn't work. Then I thought, well, if I get a graduate degree, then I'll have to become that person to do that. So I'll start, you know, just having no fear and going after writing all the time or start publishing everywhere. And I always realized that all these peak experiences that were supposed to validate me never, ever worked. Never worked. I mean, it was a flash. That's exactly it. The key you said validate, that is the thing we think it's going to somehow make us all of a sudden worthy, all of a sudden belong. It validates, but it doesn't. And it's this trick that our fear plays on us, but also culture. Like we're culturally conditioned to chase that next. 
next thing. And I realized that wasn't working for me. It led to depression, anxiety, eating disorders. And I said, there's got to be another way. And that's when I said, I have to learn how to find joy within myself instead of relying on anything and everything outside of myself, because clearly that's not working. And I really feel that so many of us are going along. These goals are really, they're wonderful. They're part of living a rich life. Like, you know, it's good to have them. But when we define ourselves by them, that's what I think is the trick that's kind of keeping us stuck. So what I recognize is it's so important to allow yourself to be where you are, accept where you are, because the journey is really the true reward. And I think that's actually a Chinese proverb. So right. But, <laughs> but, yeah, someone said it. But this is just as amazing as that peak moment, if not more beautiful. Right. I mean, I remember something in the book was that joy is growth. Yeah. Yeah. Joy is growth and our setbacks are growth, too. And I think feel off track when we're not happy all the time. Another barrier is we feel like it's supposed to look a certain way. I've been doing my business X amount of time or I've had this podcast for so many years or we look outside of ourselves at what other people are doing. These are all just ego mind tricks, just right. just our fear trying to keep us playing like, you know, you don't belong. You're, you're not doing it right. But it's it's the opposite. So it's about empowering ourselves to say, hey, wait a second. This life, I'm doing this. I'm right. doing the best I can. You know, it makes me think about dating and how I've been single for the longest amount of time now. I got out of a relationship a year and a half ago. And for the first time I decided, especially because I'm a breakup coach, that I wanted to approach it differently. Like I'd always fall into the next relationship because the person had been my world. Mm-hmm. And pulling back and even not having sex somehow for over a year, like you know, not part of the plan. Yeah. But I realized that the validation wasn't coming from the feedback I was getting from men, though I love being around them, but it wasn't from a desirous experience with them. And it totally changed mm-hmm. the paradigm of what was validating me. Yes. And so your book, though it doesn't talk explicitly all the time about relationships, it does make me think about all the people I coach and all the people I talk to or all the people that think that there's something off about me, that I'm not out there looking, that I seem so happy now and and being able to have forward momentum in my life alone. Like, it seems to, to scare people. Like, they want to disrupt that. I it think is that's that fear. It. Yeah, that fear will trick us. I actually started my whole journey before I wrote the self-love experiment, my last book, with, called it a dating sabbatical. Yeah, tell and me. It started with three months and turned into a year yeah. and then turned into three years. Exactly. Like- and it was the most beautiful experience ever because really I found self-love. I became more self-aware because I recognized all the ways I was leaning on men and needing them to fill me up. And when you take that thing away, you start to replace it with what is really needed, which is self-love, self-compassion. But the most interesting thing is the self-love experiment book led to Joy Seeker because it's about what I realized is so many of us are chasing these things because we feel like something's missing. We keep going to the men that, or the ex or the, the right. relationships that aren't serving us or we're going to the things that we know aren't right. But what's that thing that's missing is the connection to our true self. And I, I would be interested to hear like if what I found is my authentic self in not needing things outside of myself because the more true we are to ourselves, the stronger we can be in the relationship and we can attract the much better person for us and the better our careers are, the better everything is. And so this thing we think is missing, it's not outside of ourselves, but that's the thing, we keep chasing it. It, We think that next purchase or that one night stand is going to get us there, but it's it's actually, it has to be an inner journey. And when we do that, everything changes. I feel like I was always trying to bypass that. You know, like I always had this understanding that that I was sad within myself. 
that I didn't feel alive on my own. Unless I had someone that I love that should be cheering me on, I wouldn't be able to create the momentum. And because love and men always sparked me up and usually turned the light switch on, I needed that. And also I, I started to realize after, I mean, it was like 10 years of not really pinpointing it, but I thought that because when I had my eating disorder, it was the first time I was single, that men would save me from the worst version of myself, from how I would turn on myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like I always needed the relationship because I thought I was going to turn on myself. I mean, imagine that, you know, and then I, I remember being in this like four year relationship, doing my master's degree, reading out my uh, thesis and not even realizing that I was under a hundred pounds again, reading this thing about overcoming my eating disorder. I didn't even know. Yeah. And it was humiliating. Yeah. So to realize, oh my God, the thing that I thought that was protecting me has destroyed me again, not them, but me through it. Yeah. It's the From, process. yeah so much for me, it was thinking that the joy was in the other and having like, I had never wanted to say that I was relying on, on men. Right, right. Because we don't know that we are a lot of times. Yeah. It's how we're functioning. And I don't think I'm that woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but it was just that I thought I needed this other person near me to feel alive. And what's amazing is you sharing your story and so courageously. And, and that is very similar for I think your audience and everyone listening yeah. to and all of us have realizations of that and what that was was a moment of you realizing where you were hiding from yourself you didn't even know and and I feel like we do this in different ways and I don't mean hiding from yourself because you were doing the best you could and if you were to right. ask yourself at the time are you being true to yourself you'd be like well yeah yeah I'm making my goals come true but when we dig that layer deeper that's when that realization came in. It's like, oh my God, I'm extremely underweight and am I really happy? And that's when you, I feel the self-inquiry questions really come into play. Uh, I was diagnosed with depression, suffering from eating disorders 10 years ago. And the questions, you know, who are you really? What do you really want? Um, what's most important to you? And is what you're doing today creating that life that you, you really want? Is it working in your favor? And I think a lot of times when we get honest, the habits we're doing are trying to mask the feeling that we feel like something's off. Right. So whether it's in the not right. eating or overeating, the drugs, the sex, whatever we turn to, we don't want to feel that feeling of, I don't feel good about myself. And like you said, you were trying to run from yourself, even though we didn't realize we were doing that. But truly, I feel the fix is to really get honest with yourself because the truth is, you're amazing. You're beautiful women. All of us are. Every single yeah. one of us has such a gorgeous light inside, yeah. but we're running from it and dimming it because we haven't given ourselves permission to be us. How does that happen? Like, why would we be afraid of what we hear would be the most magnetizing version of ourselves? Exactly. Well, it's a lot of reasons, really. I feel culture, right? The the beliefs we have, we're not taught how to love ourselves. Right. It really does come back to self-love. But I think what I really find in my coaching practice and I share in the book, Joy Seeker, there's always a signature moment in your life mm. that usually happens between age three and nine. Oh yeah, you said that. Where you're being yourself. Like you're totally yourself. Like I'm a pretty happy person, which works well as a self-help author. But uh, when I was little, I got made fun of majorly for it like so much that it turned to eating disorders and me feeling isolated and people on the playground and I just didn't feel accepted but there was one time in particular where I was just being myself dancing and singing Uh and um, the kids on the playground got really mad and upset so the teacher came over and punished me and she took away you know my Walkman or whatever (laughs) I know right totally 80s child and um, so interesting enough like long story short uh, instead of her telling them to go play somewhere else she punished me and she said Shannon the kids say you're too happy you have to tone it down you can't dance and sing right now and I was just being me so at age 9 I learned that you can't be happy in this world like it's not accepted so I 
I started to wear my sadness more and um, right you know and I, I would come home and binge eat because I didn't know how to process these feelings and so I learned and we have to look at the beliefs and take you through this process but you identify what happened and then the belief that was created in that moment in that moment I created a belief that you can't be who you are mm. and fit in you will not be loved as you are. And so here I was all through my 30s up until 20s, 30s feeling unlovable. And it wasn't until I wrote the self-love experiment that I got clear like, this is a limiting belief that's blocking us. And so most of us are carrying around beliefs that are untrue. And if we just look at those beliefs and get to the source of them and then you can eradicate them. And then what you ask yourself is, who have I become because of this belief? That's the tricky work, but it's powerful work. And it's not like the good side of who I've come because we all have beautiful parts of us. It's the, you know, here I was single for over five years, isolating myself, you know, lying that I really wanted a relationship because it was out of my control. And um, you got to get clear about that. And then you say, well, who am I really? You realize that's not who you are and it goes away. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's exactly what I was kind of referring to is like after 10 years realizing that the belief that I had created, which, you know, here I'm a writer and I was never piecing that together, was the belief was that if I'm without a relationship, I will turn on myself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, belief. the belief. Right. That's the belief. And it's created from an experience, right? Because yeah. That, the stories the, that we tell ourselves about how this has all happened. Yeah. That's exactly it. The stories, the, the sexy stories, as I call them, because yeah. they seem so sexy because they trick us into believing and functioning in a way that really it's hurting us it's it's causing us anxiety and pain and stress and feeling like something's wrong with us and like we don't belong in this world but we have every right to be here we are enough and i think that's the ultimate goal is to know that we are lovable and we start by loving ourselves first and it doesn't matter what size you are it doesn't matter what habits you're still holding on to or who you're with or what you do None of that. You are you and your essence, you know, is is the most beautiful part of it. And I think some of us still think, well, I'm a writer or I'm a coach and that that's me. Joy Seeker, the next book that, you know, we're talking about, it really takes you to a process to let go of the outside attachments. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that was the intro. Yeah. Really. And I, I'll just set it up for a second is that. I remember after getting back after that master's reading, finding I was under 100 pounds, moving back to Miami. My twin sister was put into rehab. And it was this moment where the family never thought that that would be our child, that I was able to get really honest about how depressed and how I had isolated myself for years. And there's this cat that's been around our house forever, you know, outside. And I see it try to jump up to get food and fall off. And I see that its paw has almost been chewed off. So for two weeks, I try to lure this cat in, this feral cat. Long story short, I get it in, get the leg amputated, and I'm nursing this cat on its final days. And I felt like, again, it was a way of like, I know that I'm going to have to do work myself, but let me just love another thing. And it died in my arms. And I remember, like, it reminds me of your intro piece about the dog. It was so scary in a way to realize that once like the spirit of the animal was gone I didn't want to see this body it it was this realization that we are like this energy we're this character that we have and then if you can get that you can bring that anywhere like I could bring that here with you I can I could walk down the street and show it to someone like I have something that I don't have to set up shop for yes and your intro like starts off with your attachment with your dog which I totally my dog has socialized me oh my god I love those dogs yeah everything but that's still like as and it's scary because I really say my dog has socialized me and it's trusting that that I could do it without my dog but so tell me about the story about how you realized that you had become attached to your dog yeah it's so interesting because uh 
Tucker, I had adopted eight years, well, 10 years ago now when I was mm. diagnosed with depression. Yeah. I was in the doctor's office. She was writing up the prescription and I was reading a magazine waiting and the magazine said dogs can help with depression. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of an inner moment where I said, I'm going to adopt a dog. I'm going to see if that works first. Right. And oh my God, did it work? Yeah. Not only did I leave my job at advertising, the corporate burnout, I became addiction free. Really all of the addictions, the eating disorders healed themselves. I left yeah. my anxiety found my purpose and passion as a writer and coach, changed careers completely. So with Tucker by my side, I was like, he's my number one man. He taught me how to do this. And so when he died two years ago, that was the, like you said, it was the hardest moment. But, yeah. you know, you pointed it out. It's interesting because when it's almost like you see the spirit leave. You do. It was transcendent. And in that moment, it was so devastating, but also the most beautiful experience. And it made me realize that we are eternal and we um, have this energy that's bigger than us. It's just a body that we're wearing. And, and it was like, wow. So our bodies are just carrying our souls, so to speak. But it was really sad because in that moment... I, well, I went through a depression over the next couple right. of weeks. I was a life coach writing about happiness. And I, of course, grief will do that to you. And I said, I have to learn how to rely on happiness and joy, not dependent on anything outside of myself. Because here I am in the darkest hole in depression, which is warranted when you love something, right? But at the same time, I didn't ever want to feel that way again. And so I can now look at grief in a way it's part of living a life that is meant to be yeah. lived. It allowed, you know, if you're going through a loss or you're, you're, you know, feeling grief isn't always the death. It could be a relationship that ended. And I think we are all on our own journey, meaning someone may tell you to get over it or move on. But that's right. like they are not you to just be where you are. Right. But what we can do is learn the greatest gift was learning how to use my grief to find joy. Like in that darkness, in that rock bottom, again, to realize that the real joy is in the love that we had, the love that you gave. I love that you cared for the cat yeah. because that also it was a realization moment for you. Like you kept caring for other things. And then when that thing left, okay, so I got to care for myself. And I, I know, this, is, this happens. We overgive. Like yeah. that's another thing I yeah. feel like, especially, you know, we, we care about people. Yeah. We're in the community of helping I feel that overgiving is one of the things that blocks us from really feeling self-love. You love other people more than you're taking care of yourself. And um, we have to reverse it. When we do, just show up for yourself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You'll start to see everything change. You can be there for your friends and loved ones and community and clients so much more. Right. You don't feel like something's being taken from you. Yeah. It's the old saying, fill up your, your yeah. cup with, you know, tea, whatever. <laughs> if you're overflowing, you yeah. can't take care of other people. In fact, it was Mother Teresa who she made it mandatory for her, her nuns, I guess it was, every three or four years, she made them take a full year I was year blown off. away. You talk about yeah. that in the book. I yeah. was blown away. I know. And because she, she saw the power of being a caretaker or taking care of other people or just overgiving. Because we have such big hearts, we want to help. You know, you want to take care of others. But it is taxing on yourself. You have to put self-love first. So I have one comment. Then I have a question. I remember in the book you talked about how... You had, I was a client, right? Like, and it was always so negative. And at one moment, Someone you like literally yeah. had to lie down because you felt ill. Yes. This yeah. was a turning point in my, in my career back when I was in advertising. There was this woman who was just probably the most negative person I've ever met right. my whole entire life. Like, right. And, and I, you know, everyone's like, okay, we got the meeting with her. But it wasn't until there was a couple times I would leave the meeting and I would feel nauseous. I, one time I had to lay down <clears throat> and I said, could it be that that, 
negativity is affecting me. And then I went deep research rabbit hole and oh yes, I found that it can because it's the same as the placebo effect. There are medical studies written about this. Lisa Rankin wrote a whole book like Mind Over Medicine and she talks deep about it as well. And it's that idea of if you think you're taking something good, then it makes you heal, you know, opposite is true. So if you think that you're going to die from your diagnosis or you think, you know, similarly, if you're surrounded by negative people, it will affect your physiology and your mental abilities. And I was clouded with judgment after, you know, being around that toxic energy. So it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's different things we can do. I think surround yourself with positive people or people who at least um, are focused on, you know, making choices that are focused on well-being. It was interesting because you had a friend that never kind of understood what you were doing with a, yeah, with a, you know, self-help messages and all that. <laughs> it was and then really you, bad at first. And yeah. then, yeah, you, you know, you stopped being friends and now she's doing that. And now you guys were able to connect again. And I think maybe if you had stuck it out longer, you would have been just done with her. It's but true. by stepping back, it's true. you allowed to see where she could get herself and maybe you guys could meet at the same place yeah. later. Yeah, it comes back to all of us respecting and honoring each person on your own journey. What I see happen a lot, when we start to get more clear about what we really want and who we are as a person, we start living from more of a an authentic place almost always we have to take stock of our situation and the friends that we've been friends with a lot of times even family members and corporate careers or whatever they don't align anymore and so a lot of times there's this period in between where Mm -hmm. you're kind of like I don't feel like I belong because I'm more into maybe my spirituality my happiness my my own health and before I was surrounded by kind of people who liked to not be healthy or whatever it may be and that happened for me I had a best friend and she was started making fun of me for posting positive quotes on I social like, media. What is that about? I know. And and I tried my best to to not judge her, but it was interesting because she even went to like ex-boyfriends and tried to like get them on on track to be like an I hate Shannon club. So it got really bad and I was just like that was another thing of me staying in my truth. And finally, of course, after that, I was like I I said to her, I, I can't continue this friendship. All you want to talk about is negativity. You're always bringing me down unless you want to talk about goals, happiness, like ways we can try to be happier. I I just can't do it. And it wasn't like a hard stop, but it was like, of course, there was a lot of lashing out, you know, to kind of bring it forward, though. But seven years later, she started reaching out. Yeah, (laughs) seven years. And I've been writing for 10 years now. And um, now we we talk regularly. I hope she doesn't hear this. She'll read about it. She's going to read about it. But the thing is, um, interesting enough, she she posts now and she's reading personal development. And so it was such a beautiful, and I wrote that section in the book when she reached out for the first time and I was like, and I went to her Facebook page and she's posting all these positive quotes by people that I was 10 years ago and it's beautiful. Uh, Now she's got to post your quotes. It was so cool to see like, you know, and I just had this grace fill my heart because there Mm -hmm. was never any animosity there. It was just, I hope she, she finds happiness. And that's what we want for the people because when we start to get happy, happier and healthier and we start loving ourselves more we want that for everyone we don't ever want to like say oh just because they're not along with the journey doesn't mean it's not right and so I talk about too your true tribe can't show up until you do and it's this idea of the people who really love you for you I have a social media kind of beautiful community because people enjoy my positive quotes and Mm -hmm. and and so it's like don't try to talk to people who can't hear you just be you Mm. and the right people will find you yeah yeah it's funny that you bring that story up. Of course. It's like, I put it in the book and I was like, most of the time I put stuff in my books, you know, like about exes or friends yeah. and I'm like, they won't read it. And, and then my mom's like, I saw that story you wrote about me, <laughs> you know? Of course. So. But I mean, 
if you were to filter it or screen yourself, exactly. that would not be. It's true. I, I made a promise to myself, and that's really that's something that you talk about, and I have written about that, and I haven't like read that. You spend a lot of time talking about the promises you make to yourself, yeah, especially in yes. the self love experiment. Yeah. That's when it started. I promise here on out to show up for myself the best I can, to be where I am instead of letting go of where I think I need to be, to know that I'm doing a good job instead of you know that doubt that comes in. And making promises to ourself isn't so much about the perfectionist, I promise, because if you don't make it, then you fail. It's about showing up for yourself as a friend would. Like your bestest friend in the whole world, you would do anything for. You would show up and you make promises to them. You, Most people, we keep our word to our best friend. So it's really about keeping the word to yourself, not from a place of pressure. Like I don't make promises to myself like I used to. I used to be like, okay, X amount of calories a day, you're going to work out for an hour right. and a half. Those are not the promises I'm talking about. That's like a to-do list. That's um, more. So it's changed into I'm going to do what feels good. I'm going to, you know, listen to my body. These are the promises that I make now. Yeah, I feel like it almost comes into like what you talk about with wonder. Like if I make this promise to myself, I wonder Mm -hmm. how it could transform me. Yeah, there's a tool I use a lot called the the worry to wonder. And the worry is like, I worry that I'm going to gain weight after I lose it again. Or I worry that I'm not going to be perfect, you know, whatever, when I get on that TED Talk stage, whatever, whatever our goals yeah. are. I worry I'll be alone forever. Turn your worry into wonder by just saying, I wonder how amazing it's going to feel when my soulmate looks in my eyes and says that you're the one I've been waiting for. I wonder how amazing it's going to be to know that I look in the mirror and say, Mm -hmm. you are the most magnificent person. You deserve your own love and attention. So you start focusing on wonder statements, which are really from your heart. And they guide you forward because you're focusing on possibilities instead of limitations and fear. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful practice. You can do it in your head. You can write it down in a journal. But like everyone right now, just think of something you've been worried about. And just say, I wonder how amazing it's going to be when, Mm -hmm. and and celebrate the outcome you want. Right. In terms of like the spirit leaving the body and seeing that, you know, your animal really was in that body. Did it make you think in terms of like the eating disorder that you had had, did it make you think differently about your own body and like what you have done to it? It did. In fact, it, well, it didn't at that moment because I was in such the grief, but since then reflecting back there's such a new relationship with my body. And after Tucker passed, I went on a journey, which I call the Joy Seeker journey. I asked myself, what have you always wanted to do, but haven't given yourself permission to do? And my inner voice was like, travel the world full yeah. time. That was the biggest yeah. goal in my heart. And so I set out to travel the world. And while I was traveling, that is when transformation really happened. Because I thought I was traveling to check off these things on the bucket list, you know, and lose all this weight because, you know, you're walking around all these countries. And uh, the most amazing thing happened. I found a deeper relationship with myself, a deeper connection. And I realized all these external things, they don't define us, as we talked about. And so to your point, I was at a meditation retreat. It was a rhythmia in Costa Rica, and you, you work with shamans. And while I was there, we do a lot of meditation and breath work, which is beautiful if you're on a healing journey. And uh, one of the kind of shamans they worked with us, you just hold an intention, and I want to say I want to love my body fully. And I'm a plus-size person now. I hate saying that because it's like it, I know you guys can't see me here as I'm talking, right. but that's why I say that. I hate saying that because we don't need to define ourselves by our size. Whether right. you're underweight or overweight, that's not who we are. Yeah, like so it, does, it shouldn't identify. be like, hear my message differently because right. of that. Or the color of us. Like, right. None of that right. matters. We are all people. We are humans. We all have big hearts and light and love inside of us. But it was interesting while I was doing this shamanic journey in the sense that um, 
I saw my spirit so clearly and my body was just something that was housing the spirit in the sense I had such appreciation for it. Like, thank you for allowing me to be here. And our bodies are not us. Up until that point, I have been 20 years cycling in and out of eating disorders. And it was like, I'm not my body? What? And so now I care for my body. I listen to my body. And my body is this beautiful vessel to help me, you know, move the most of our, most of the time on earth. Yeah. And it's about um, a relationship. In that moment, I kind of realized, oh, I cried and held myself because I realized how incredibly terrorist I had been to my body. Yeah. And how just with the eating disorders, the hate, the horrible things that I would say to my body. And um, I I picked myself up kind of emotionally like a mother would hugging a young child that needed love and attention in my body. You know, a lot of times we ask our bodies, you know, what do you need? I thought it would be like green juice, more water, yoga. Yeah. You know. Sure. But it said, just love me as I am. Love. Stop hating me first. Please. And that was a huge turning point for me. So that's part of when I was writing the self-love experiment. And every day I just, I talk to my body now. I do. I say, hey, cells, let's let's get going and have a great day. I like that. Okay. (laughs) Because my sister said to me, she goes, you know, what I'd really like to see you do this year is start looking at your body and saying you love it. I'm like, you know, I just don't want to do that more. I have so many other things to say I love. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the idea of just saying, let's get moving. You yeah, know, like, like cells. The cells in our body, there's a lot of research on this too. Um, the cells respond to our thoughts. And it's so, like the rice experiment, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think I know which one you're talking about. Like this story I heard that you cook rice or something. If you speak negative to one of them, they turn black and like rot. I totally and heard the that. Other one, yeah. It's similar to all of what we're talking about yeah. with your thoughts. So if you're talking to negative to your body, then there's stuff going on inside that we don't even know. So if you start to talk loving to inside your body, like I will talk to my cells and I appreciate my body now. Uh, wake up in the morning and just say, okay, good body, let's do this. Because honestly, your body's part of you. Imagine living, you said you have a twin. Imagine living with your twin and never, ever, ever talking to her, ever. Mm. That's like your body. Your body is part of you. It's not It's not you, but it's here with you on earth. Or you're saying only negative things to it. But when you start talking positive things to it, it becomes your, your friend. And God. it responds really beautifully. Wow. Mm, it's fun. I remember once it hitting me that when I was younger, I used to look at my body, like these scar, you know, stretch marks and all this stuff and think about what taking a pill that made me gain weight had done to me. And was always able to say, this thing did this to me. If I hadn't have done this, I wouldn't be looking at myself like that. And then one day it hit me that how my body had changed because of the weight loss and the gain, weight loss and gain. Like I started thinking, look what I've done to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really powerful, powerful self-realization thing. And I feel like that's a moment you learn by taking your power back. I got there in my journey too. I was blaming everything outside. And then I said, whoa. And I say it in the self-love experiment. I say, if you got yourself into this situation, you can get yourself out. And it goes back to the 12-step programs too. Right, tell me. It's like a lot of times, well, the 12-step programs are... um, I accept what I cannot change, and I will change what I can't accept. You know, higher power help me know the wisdom to know yeah. the difference. That really guided me forward, too, because letting go of how we think it needs to look, you know, we think our body should be different than it is, but this is the body that we have right now. And so there was a surrender in that once I got to that place, mm-hmm. too, where I was like, whoa, I did this to myself with all those diets or with all that self-hate, blame. 
And then it, it's, I it's, did it to instead me. of staying in that place of, oh, that victim, I did this to me and this wounded part, you use that to coach yourself, be empowered, say, okay, well, if I did this, then I I can put myself into a position of what I really want. Mm-hmm. But it, we have to accept where we are first. If you're trying to change yourself from a place of I hate where I am, then you're going to keep staying in the place that you hate. But if you say I accept where I am and I'm willing to make choices to align with what's for my highest good, then we can move into a place of what is best for us. Mm-hmm. Letting go of how we think it needs to look, though. You know? Absolutely. Definitely the uncertainty mm-hmm. you have to open yourself to. Yeah, I feel like that's really what the self-love foundation comes in, though. Because self-love is saying, okay, you may not be exactly where you think you should be, where you want to be, but for today, you're doing a good job. For today, I accept you and I'm going to love you. For today... I'm here for you. And you do that every day. Like, it's a process. Mm. So you said that you were single for five years. Mm-hmm. Then I started dating again. And? And got triggered. I got triggered me. so much, especially with the dating apps. Like, oh, I, I remember meeting people out and about. <laughs> yeah, like, we all should still be doing. <laughs> and then I kind of, again, uh, you know, I made a promise to myself again. I said, you know what? I don't want my story to feel forced. I don't like yes. how with the dating apps there's judgment. And there's a lot of judging, not just from a physical, but... I am very much, well, I'm a Pisces, so I'm very emotional, but I love feeling. I'm a Cancer, so yeah. yes. <laughs> so we're water signs. Yes. And, and, I, and it's not about the signs, but the point is I intuitively have feelings about people. And I feel like a lot of the dating apps, at least the, the ones I was on, it was like going to bars to drink. And I don't really drink anymore. So I, after about six months of doing lots of dating apps, um, I said, this is not for me at all. And I cut them all out. And now... Uh, I'm single now, but I absolutely love my life. The biggest thing that I want in my life is to call in my soulmate. Like, that is the goal in my heart of hearts. And there are some days where it gets lonely and sad. And I, my daughter comes in and says, what are you doing? You did something wrong because you're right. almost 40 and you're still single. But then I remind myself, absolutely not. You do not want to settle in this life, Shannon. And you are, you know exactly who you are and you know exactly the type of person that you want. And I've worked really hard to become mm. the person that I know I want to be. So that's really let go of what's holding you back so you can live the life you were made for. It's about being who you truly are. And every day I feel closer and closer because right. I am not missing anything without this person in my life. I'm right. so full up on who I am. And that's the thing. Before I felt wounded, I felt off track, I felt like I was missing something. But I think the trick is to know how amazing you are as you are. And then I trust the universe so much. Mm-hmm. And I know that the right relationship will come at the right time. Mm-hmm. I also do something fun with my friends. She calls it driftwood. And I, I didn't get that at first. But driftwood, like when you're at the beach and you see driftwood, mm-hmm. and it's like shows you more's coming. And so I pay attention to the signs. So, for example, I just saw this beautiful couple the other day. They're both entrepreneurs and they work together. And that's something I really want as an entrepreneur. I want to be able to travel with my partner. Yeah. Has to be a dog lover. Yeah. You know, but I don't have too many parameters. But this couple represented that. And at first I found myself getting a little sad. And then I said, no, this is showing me what's possible. And the fact that it's right here is showing me that I'm that much closer. That's a whole different mindset than this past, like, oh, it's so far away and they have it and I don't. Yeah, I you mean, know? the ability to look at a couple and get excited about the potential yes. and about it, to wonder what that could be like instead it, of being yeah. like, when is it my turn or what's actually wrong with them? or Yeah, yeah. Or they're lying to everyone yeah. or all these stories we make. But also... 
when one person wins or when one couple wins, we all win because what's happening is we're putting more love into the world. So celebrate the couples, celebrate the other people who have what you want and know that it doesn't mean they're not taking away from you. I think there was a point in my life where mm-hmm. I was like, if they have it, then that means there's less people and I'm not going to have it. People talk about that. Yeah. They say, always talk about the numbers of like the ratios <laughs> of how many men are here and women here. So that means... Yes. It's nuts. And if you if you really get down to the, the core of it and you talk to maybe people in our parents' generation or even people just 10, 20 years, you know, not quite when the technology, the people who only have dated yeah. on technology, uh, interesting enough, you'll see that these stories, it's very kismet, if you will, like mm-hmm. they ser- serendipitous, they meet in beautiful ways and it's almost like you could not have planned it. And that's how the universe works. Like, the universe will go to bat for you and show up for you. It, it is there for you when you're truly in alignment with what is in your heart. So keep holding the intention of what you want. Know that nothing's wrong with you. And know that you deserve that soulmate relationship. And there's one for you. I love how you found yourself kind of going into a bad cycle with the dating apps. Because I think that, you know, let's say you're someone before that's, like, not about disregarding easily. And then you get on the apps and you realize, oh, my God, that's what this is about. Like, having a quick make a a snap decision or whatever it is or whatever you start you train yourself to make into a habit and I think being able to pull yourself you like I don't want this to be my norm my way of approaching people or that this is the way that I make a habit out of learning how to meet people and you pulled yourself quickly enough from that even when you still see everyone else that's what they do or that's what they talk about or you know I see like so many people like that's what they encourage or they think that I'm missing an audience and isolating them because I'm not on dating apps yeah you know, and I think it comes back to knowing who you are, aligning with yourself and, and being true to yourself. Because if we really, I have so many clients who will really want to go meet their soulmate. And the first thing they do is go on those dating apps. And you know how you feel in your stomach. Like, you, you, not everyone. Some people love it, which yeah. is great. But, you know, it's kind of that idea of trusting yourself. Like, and it doesn't have to look a certain way. So the whole world's doing something. That doesn't mean that you have to do that it. I have to participate right. in it. That and I still fully believe. And I can't wait to like call you and tell you, guess what? I found my soulmate. Like, and we were hiking on a trail. Or, you have to you know, be on that. It's going to be so different. Happens. Yeah. And it's about believing in, in what is possible for you instead of just looking out and seeing what is. And that's a key part of manifesting is don't worry about what is. Focus on what you want. And and that really is, as you know, like you wanted us to be together on the podcast two years ago. And we didn't know each other. And, and I didn't, didn't have, have a podcast. A podcast. So I didn't even have a podcast. You weren't even in New York. Like yeah. how amazing. And that's further confirmation that our future self is always guiding us i feel right and it didn't have to be like this wasn't the milestone you know what i'm saying it's like oh i'm gonna maneuver these moves until i get to shannon totally yeah it happens like look how serendipitous it was right and that's i think with everything in our life whether it's a relationship whether it's getting out of debt whether it's you know falling in love with your body it's all the same so what do you think is like the central heartbreak of joy seeker what was the one that you were trying to work through? Definitely the grief of Tucker. So I tend to write about what I need to learn. And I didn't realize that till self-love experiment because uh, I needed self-love then. And so what I really needed to do was be unapologetic about who I am. And so this book is really, for me, it was learning how to function through my grief. But in that, get very clear about intention what do I really want this life to be mm-hmm. like I want to make the most of my time on earth but it's not necessarily seeing every single country in the world tackling the bucket list it's about living with more meaning right now mm-hmm. it's about being purposeful with each and every person that I'm with and being 
the gift that this book has given me is to really to release all expectations and yeah. be so fully in the journey because the journey is so joyful and that's the reward. But number two, it's it's how to be here and now. I used to obsess about the future, you know, whether it was a goal I was working towards or what would or wouldn't happen, or I would be thinking about the past. I'd be in meetings with clients in the first part of my business, focusing on the next client that I was going to have to work totally. with. Totally. And um, I feel like when I was living in Chicago, it was extra, like, fast-paced, right, yeah. you know, in the city. So to be here and now and know that everything is is actually as it should be is the most beautiful gift that we can give ourselves on Earth. Because from that place, you're empowered. And from that place, you're creating from a place. That's why there's paint on the cover of the book. It's mm. about creating a life that you love. And you can do that when you're true to yourself. Mm. Don't worry if the rest of the world's on a dating app. <laughs> That's just an example. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes it's just, I think it's exciting to think, like, how can I just be one of the rare ones? Yeah. You know what's interesting? Um, There's a quote in here by an author, Mira La Patel, and she says, My fear of being different keeps me like everyone else. That really stuck with me because we're either terrified of being different. Like, one of the biggest fears is I'm worried about what other people think of me. But then there's also a fear of sticking out or being the rare one. What if Mm. I am that one? But I think ultimately... We're all so desperate to fit in, but we really want to fit within our own self first. So if we give ourselves permission to be who we are, and it starts by asking yourself, you know, who am I really? Without the the type of clothes I wear, without my career, without the city I live in, without the relationship status, who am I? And then you start from there. It's a really beautiful journey to get to know yourself as a friend, because then you realize you don't need the world to approve of you because you approve of yourself. Totally. And being the rare one is the most glorious thing of all because we're all the rare ones. Yeah, like every single one of us has absolutely. our own uniqueness. Let me just ask you because, you know, I hear this line a lot about women talking about how they need to give themselves permission. Do you feel like the message is applicable and resonates with men? Do you think that men hear this and they say, like, I too need to give myself permission somewhere? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think everyone. Uh, it's about permission to be who you are. There's a lot of different types of permission for men, you know, not yeah. even to generalize, but I would often date the men who were super, super masculine and were afraid to cry. And and if they did, they felt like something was wrong with them. It would turn into this anxiety, depression thing, you know, but, but we're all humans. Mm-hmm. We all have feelings. And I think giving yourself permission to really say, is this working for me? Is this what I want in my life? These are questions anyone can ask. So it really does come back down to authenticity. And are we living a life that feels Feels. true to us? I think we know if it feels. We do. It's in the feelings. We do. And if we look back on our life, and it's not a place of judgment for yourself. It's not like, oh, I'm not. Like, that's not at all this conversation at all. It's about giving yourself the tools, the guidance, and the the Mm. joy of being you. It's definitely the guidance. Yeah. Yeah, it's more uplifting in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. So I coined a word, break upward, and I'm curious about what you think that word means. Break upward. Break upward? Yeah. like Break upward. I love that. So for me, when I hear that, um, at first when you said I thought you meant break up, word, like, but when now I see what you're saying, break up word. <laughs> word. Well, oh my God. I, I, some people think I mean a ward, like a break up ward. Like, okay, break up ward. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think with every single break up that we go through in relationships, we're actually breaking upward because mm-hmm. you, if we really go in, we learn more about ourselves. And I think relationships are lessons and we have an opportunity to learn from them. 
But when you say break upward, to me, it's about transcending into the next level you. Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful. Trademark that thing. And that's the title of your book. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I felt like really emotional this morning. I'm like, I can't believe, you know, today's the day that I get to sit with her. I'm so glad that we are here together in person. And I love, she's wearing a sparkly blazer (laughs) that is this beautiful blue. And it's just like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So it's been fun to be here with you. Thank you. Tell my audience where they can find you. So I'm Shannon Kaiser and my website is playwiththeworld.com. And my book, Joy Seeker, is out now. It's at bookstores. It's online. I love hearing from people. So reach out on social media at Shannon Kaiser Writes. Perfect. Thank Thank you. you. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.